We may have all heard the phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But does it really? What sort of behavior does this bumper sticker bastardization of Frederick Nietzsche's philosophy of will encourage? It encourages people to hurt themselves, in one way or another, on purpose. In practice, it tends to mean if you feel pain and stress, then you put yourself on the right track. To link pain and progress together. Although they sometimes coincide, that coincidence differs considerably from contingency. Dr. Cashy thinks some stuff leaves us better than we started, and other stuff beats us the hell up. Let's talk about it. Roll the intro! Hello! Hello! And welcome to... Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and on today's Nerd Rage, we are taking a critical-ish look at the contemporary bastardization of the axiom, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. A little bit of introduction here. I think it's important to have like a loose understanding of where these things come from, at the very least. Maybe it's my bias as an egghead or something. Uh, the history of this phrase dates back to the late 19th century to German philosopher Friedrich, Friedrich Nietzsche. Poor American pronunciation notwithstanding. <laughs> my boy Fred called me up. He was like, do, 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 do. Hey, Dr. K, what the heck's going on? You gotta help a brother out. This has all done goofed up. And I was like, yo, Freddy, Dr. Cashy has got your back. Boop. All right, so here we are. So here we are. The context of this phrase was in Life's school of war, just so you know, <laughs> just so you know. It is the bastardization of this phrase that sets damaging standards for everyone. And when you dig even a little bit, this is especially true for those who have spent time in the real school of war, even if metaphorical in Nietzsche's writing, okay? To speak a bit morbid, uh, in many cases, surviving is but a meek consolation rather than a gift. And I think this maxim or axiom or quip or whatever you want to call it, uh, it leads to frivolous levels of guilt and shame and pain because if surviving hardship in and of itself makes you tough, well then, it's borderline nonsensical to actively recover from any traumatic experience then, isn't it? What becomes sensical instead is to suppress or ignore anything and everything either out of guilt and shame by being weakened by it or by the legitimate hope that the promised resilience is spontaneously bestowed upon you by the gods of hardship. Okay, it is again frivolous, suggesting that anyone could embrace overwhelming suffering in the way contemporary culture has romanticized this phrase. To that end, Dr. Cashy and many others <laughs> posit that it is the attitude and the perspective of the person enduring hardship that gives it meaning. And it is that meaning that affords you the opportunity to learn and grow, and that is what fosters your resilience response. Thankfully, this was established by ancient Stoics, I think, well over, well, ancient years ago. <laughs> and uh, to quote Professor Elaine Miller on this, as, as Nietzsche asserts throughout his writings, some degree of falsification of life is necessary for us to be functional agents capable of affirmation and self-affirmation. 
But if there is suffering from which redemptive power cannot be derived, then the will to power cannot be sufficient for a justification of suffering. Dr. Cashy's translation of this, pain for the sake of pain is baloney. <laughs> there you have it. Oh, I'm almost out. This is a calamity. Okay, so let's explore this problem a little bit. Although making it through something difficult is almost entirely divorced from whether or not it makes you stronger or better, there is a tinge of truth if you look close enough. That is, if you use a scanning electron microscope close enough. <laughs> you do need to experience challenging things to hone your resilience response. However, I do see this manifest as taking a punch for the sake of taking a punch. That is, incurring pain and challenge and inconvenience out of stubbornness and assuming that you're all the better for it, turns out the only thing purposefully taking punches makes you good for is being a punching bag. In other words, making your life more difficult on purpose succeeds only in making your life more difficult. In many cases, this actually handicaps your ability to overcome obstacles should they arise because your mental and physical faculties are all but tapped out. For instance, if you aim to lose fat, and that fat is impeding your self-efficacy and functionality, thereby contributing to, let's say, a negative attitude adjustment, does putting a buffet of all of your favorite foods in plain view everywhere you go serve a productive purpose? Common Sense, Research, and Dr. Kashi all agree this is a goofy idea. Okay. Indeed, you can make this as extreme or as silly as you want. That's why I love it. This is one of the few instances where I think reductio ad absurdum is limited in its usefulness. You can go to any extreme and it still holds, pretty much. Translated, it's when you deplete rather than if you deplete. Furthermore, when you do act in a depleted state, the way you think, feel, and act is, I'll bet you a dollar, hurting you more than it's helping you. Even though you'll survive whatever happens, the end result is the reinforcement of a behavior loop that you'd rather weaken and the weakening of a behavior loop that you'd rather strengthen. Boiled down, challenge for the sake of challenge is a constant and sustained drain on your mind and body, that is, until you deplete and end up thinking and doing whatever the depleted version of you thinks and does. And are your feelings, thoughts, and actions in a state of depletion constructive or destructive? So let's, let's try and formulate a path to a little bit of a solution here, okay? The haphazard exposure to something is, I think, universally regarded as the worst way to get better at stuff. Uh, the only exception, I think, is the immune system, although you can improve the efficiency and efficacy with purposeful and graded exposure uh, there, too. So that, that aside, uh, it appears Dr. Cashy has given his punchline away yet again. <sighs> okay. Although... I must admit, purposeful and graded exposure seems to be the method of choice for improving skills over the millennia, only with variance in the fancy combinations of graded exposure and the purpose of the exposure, right? This means that, yes, you can practice honing your resilience response. I say the term practice loosely because this is different than making your life miserable on purpose. Uh, just so you can say, aha, look at me, I overcame the hard thing that was hard. Uh, it, that is draconian nonsense, I think, and it, I think it only works in kung fu movies, all right? Instead, you have a deep well of everyday adversity, which, yes, is legitimate. And you can approach it with a new set of tools, along with a slight attitude adjustment. So take some time. Bust out the, the whiteboard here. Right now, it's the whiteboard of wisdom. Man, that's what I'm going to call it. List 
Okay, the most straightforward thing is to make a comprehensive list of all the things that you delay or put off indefinitely because, well, you think they suck. And they very well might suck, okay? Then rank their perceived levels of suckiness, all right? And then do the sucky stuff from low to high, <laughs> from low suckitude to vast suckitude, okay? The most important thing, again, is that by choosing to do these things rather than being forced to confront the annoying, frustrating, and difficult challenges in your everyday, day to day, it gives you two amazing gifts. Yes, even if that difficulty or challenge or adversity is, is, is the laundry monster, that still counts, I promise, okay? <laughs> okay? Again, by choosing rather than being forced to confront the annoying, frustrating, and difficult challenges in your day to day, it gives you two amazing gifts. One, self-efficacy, it proves you can do stuff. Two, transfer of training, to borrow from another crazy smart Russian guy. I mean, Nietzsche was German, but bear with me here, all right? So one, it grows your self-efficacy by accomplishing something that makes a legitimate impact on your life, or day, or, however, or, or hour, however small, you literally prove that you are more capable than you previously thought you were. So tapping in to capacity that, that maybe you thought was totally missing, but it's still there, okay? In other words, Dr. Cashy knows you have plenty of horsepower, and that horsepower is wasted when you live your life riding the brakes. So Dr. Cashy's goal is to liberate your foot from the brake so that you can take full advantage of your mind and body when you do need to floor it and access all that horsepower. Number two, transfer of training. You give yourself the opportunity to what's called generalize your increased attention span and frustration tolerance to overcome inevitable, inevitable challenges and life's random chaos. The smaller your attention deficit, the greater your attention span. The greater your, your frustration tolerance, the more manageable your problems become. And this method markedly improves both of those metrics just by doing everyday things with, with, new, with renewed purpose, okay? Of all the dozens and legitimate trainable skills improving your resilience response, these are my favorite two. My two favorites. They are the two skills that are most important to me. You wanna know why? Well, I'm gonna tell you anyway. <laughs> uh, so make sure to check out the episode from Delicate to Resilient. Uh, I was blatant about how you can and do have a resilience response in one area of your life, but, but might be completely deficient in another. And the example I gave before was the veteran who could take daily barrages of shrapnel and bullets and be fine, but felt overwhelmed with a daily barrage of emails. And although it can be seen as a strange and humorous dichotomy, depending on how you look at it, it only represents the categorical nature of the resilience response. It is for that reason an improved attention span and a high tolerance to frustration are my favorites. In my biased opinion, they are universally translatable skills for all challenges. My premise for that argument is based on the fact that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is your opportunity to inject logic and reason to influence the outcome. And enduring attention span and high tolerance to frustration are key to increasing that gap between stimulus and response. For it is the attention that allows you to be mindful of the stimulus and the high frustration tolerance that moderates your impulsive self-sabotaging responses. These two things, when combined properly, are create what appear to be superhuman outcomes. I promise, I promise. So let's summarize all this stuff here. In this video, Dr. Cashy made a critique of the popular and tyrannical maximum, maxim, axiom, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It literally and figuratively harms more than it helps by fostering a perfectionist standard of behavior and outcomes. 
Indeed, it also enhances thoughts of victimhood and lowers self-efficacy because the responsibility is now, almost ironically, put on the hardship to make your life better. It is now the hardship's responsibility to rescue you and bestow upon you the attitude and skills and support that are actually required to come back in a meaningful way. Any genuine challenge in your life is going to eliminate much of the bouncing back that people expect that the maxim infers will happen. Instead, there is a purposeful recovery process varying in its time and path, and it is only when you have adaptive response patterns relevant to the challenge where you become stronger and improve your resilience response. Adversity makes you stronger when these three things are taken care of. Back to the, back to the whiteboard of wisdom, okay? Whoopsie, wrong side. Although that side's good too, okay? Adversity makes you stronger when these things are taken care of. Your thought and action limiters are removed, liberating your foot from the brakes. Two, your attitude is adjusted. And three, your actions align with that attitude adjustment. This is you hitting the gas now, after you take your foot off the brake, okay? And it is under these circumstances that a modest sort of super compensation occurs wherein you, you own your resilience response a little bit more. And this is the difference between coming out ahead, even if it takes you longer than you want to, and generally floundering in, floundering in misfortune and despair and victimhood. And that, that sounds kind of dramatic, right? Especially when it comes to household chores, because it is, that's what happens. That's what happens. And when, they, when the, the overcome hardship is assessed in hindsight, looking back, you develop those critical thinking skills, helping you to generalize that experience to tangentially related challenges in your life, helping you with that transfer of training. Now, will learning how to overcome the tyranny of your binge monster help your resilience response in the face of a sudden and shocking death? Not directly, no. <laughs> there is a path though. And through purposeful and graded exposure, it 100% puts you on that path. Consistently generalizing your improved attention span and tolerance to frustration to tangentially related challenges, you are able to increase the gap between stimulus and response just enough that when life goes sideways, it leads to something you can grab onto as a lifeline and right yourself. So I'm gonna conclude this here, wrap it all up. So even though Dr. Kashi pointed out the categorical nature of the resilience response, there is hope for generalization. As you start applying these principles to everyday misfortunes, everyday misfortunes and challenges, the degree of separation between the day-to-day -day annoyances and the few and far between but heavy hitting adversity it shrinks, thereby giving you a lifeline when you need it most. So if you are interested in a logical and systematic way to improve your resilience response and therefore the outcomes to life challenges, send Dr. Kashi a message and leave a comment. He responds to all of them. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out. <laughs>